thinking about St. Giles, a place where everyone belongs and everyone has a ministry, a place where everyone belongs and everyone has a ministry. I'm going to read from Luke's Gospel. Uh, This is from Luke chapter 6. I'm going to start from verse 12. It's on page 1033 if you want to follow um, in the Bibles and the chairs. Excuse me. One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them, whom he also designated apostles Simon, whom he named Peter, his brother Andrew, James and John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus. Simon, who was called the Zealot, Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. He went down with them and stood on a level place. A large crowd of his disciples was there, and a great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem and from the coastal region around Tyre and Sidon, who had come to hear him and be healed of their diseases. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. A church where everyone belongs and everyone has a ministry. There we go. I wonder how you think about uh, coming to church or being a part of a church. Uh, We say that a lot, don't we? I'm going to church, I went to church, I visited church, uh, we attended church. But that language uh, falls really short of what the New Testament means by being a part of a church. There's a rich picture in the Bible of what it means to be a part of the people of God. Starting in the Old Testament, Israel called to be the people of God going all the way through into the New Testament where Jesus forms a new people of God, a new nation, and calls them the church. In our passage today, we have Jesus calling the 12 disciples. They had lots in common, but they also had some differences between them. There was Simon and Andrew. They were brothers. They were both fishermen. They were from Bethsaida, a small town, small village uh, on the coast of Galilee. Their friends were James and John, known as the Sons of Thunder. I imagine they had kind of a fiery temper. They too were from Bethsaida. They too were Galilean fishermen. Philip was from the same area. It doesn't seem that he was a fisherman. He had a different occupation. And he was unusual in that his name is a Greek name. That seems to be significant. Later in John's Gospel... Uh, chapter 12, uh, we'll see a group of uh, Greek uh, men coming and they want to find more about Jesus. And so they seek out Philip, the guy with the Greek name. They say to him, we, we would like to meet Jesus. We'd like to find out more about Jesus. And Philip takes them to him. So it seems that it was more than just he had a Greek name, but perhaps it was of uh, mixed uh, heritage. There's Bath, uh, Bartholomew, also called Nathaniel. Jesus calls him a true Israelite. There's Simon the Zealot. 
the Zealots were, would later become a, a, a party, a group, but at this time it was more just a kind of an adjective to de- describe somebody. And a zealot uh, was a fierce nationalist. At the time of Jesus' day, Israel was under Roman occupation, uh, part of the Roman Empire. The Romans were in charge. And the zealots were those who fiercely opposed that, who were really proud of their Jewish heritage and their Jewish identity. In fact, they felt that the temple uh, had kind of lost its way, that the Pharisees and the Sadducees had watered down their faith. The Zealots were were passionate about their Jewish heritage. Another one of the disciples is Matthew. What do we know about Matthew? Well, Matthew was a tax collector. His name originally was Levi, and after he meets Jesus, he changes his name to Matthew. Matthew. Matthew means a gift of God. As Levi, he would have been reviled by the Jewish people. Why? Because he would be seen as a collaborator. He'd be seen as somebody who was on the occupier's side. His job was to collect taxes from the Jews and give them to the Romans. I imagine Matthew and Simon had some interesting conversations as they travelled around with Jesus. It's like having the most kind of UKIP, UKIPper, and the most Corbynista, Corbynista. And yet, they're called together to follow Jesus. Jesus calls these people to follow him. But not just these people, not just these men. These men are called to be apostles, but if you read carefully in our passage, that you'll see that these are called out among the disciples to be apostles. Being a disciple of Jesus wasn't um, uh, narrowed down just to the twelve. It wasn't, it wasn't only these uh, who were disciples of Jesus. The word that we have uh, for church in the New Testament is the word, uh, Greek word, ecclesia. It's translated 114 times in the Bible to the word uh, church. And it originally means those who have been called out. Those who have been summoned together. And the disciples were those who had been summoned to follow Jesus. All of those who had been summoned to follow Jesus. It comes from a practice that there was in the, the Roman Empire at the time. Greek cities of the day, uh, Greek towns and villages. Uh, decisions were made by the town council, uh, the noblemen or the freemen. And a herald would come and stand in the, the centre of the square And he would call out uh, those who could make decisions on behalf of the community. He would call out a town meeting. And the noblemen, the freemen, they would gather together and they would reason together and they would uh, make a decision. The church is those who have been called out by Jesus. Who have been summoned to follow him. How do you view your coming here to St. Giles this morning. I decided to come to St. Giles. I crawled out of bed, I got the kids in shape, and I managed to drag myself to church. 
I know what it's like. <laughs> Should we go to church? Should we not go to church? Have we got time to go to church? Don't have too low a view of who we are this morning. We are those who have been called out by Jesus. Called to assemble together. Called to be the body of Christ in this place. How did Jesus form his band of brothers, his disciples? He called them to follow him. William Barclay, a scholar, writes this. The word ecclesia, when referred to the church, means a body of people who have been summoned out of their homes to come and meet with God. It means that in its original Greek and Hebrew usages, the sense is not exclusive, but inclusive. Come and worship God. Come and be part of the body of Christ. You've been summoned by the angelic host today to join in their worship. Don't assume too little about the disciples. Don't assume that the disciples just means those 12 apostles. They had a a special role. They had a a leadership role. They were the kind of, uh, if you see in the Old Testament, the people of God as the, the 12 tribes of Israel. Then in the New Testament, Jesus is forming a new nation, a new people. He has 12 apostles, 12 pillars, kind of like the 12 new tribes of Israel. They have a unique role in shaping the teaching of the church. The church will be those who will gather around the apostles' teaching. But don't assume that disciples just refers to the twelve. As Jesus' ministry grew, his group of followers expanded beyond the kind of original twelve, if you like. It's referred to already, verse 13. He called his disciples and chose twelve of them. So it's a bigger group of disciples. And out of that bigger group, he selects twelve. Verse 17, he went down with them, that's the twelve, and stood on a level place, and a large crowd of his disciples were there. Luke's Gospel, we read of the whole crowd of disciples gathering together to praise God. It's more verses about crowds of disciples, but you, you get the idea. A broader group than just the twelve. Don't assume disciples means only men. The Gospel of Luke tells us that as Jesus travelled about, the twelve were with him and also some women. Mary called Magdalene, Joanna, the wife of Chusa, the manager of Herod's household, Susanna and many others. These women were also present at the crucifixion. We're told that they stood at a distance watching what happened when the men had fled. These women were also present with the apostles at the resurrection. Mary and Martha should also be counted as disciples of Jesus. Don't assume they're just the twelve. Don't assume they were all men. Don't assume the disciples were all of humble means or uneducated. Certainly some were. 
but not all. Matthew, as a tax collector, would have been well-educated. He would have been fluent in the languages of his area, Greek, Aramaic, uh, Hebrew. Colossians tells us that Luke was a doctor, an educated profession. Joseph of Arimathea was a member of the Sanhedrin. He would have been wealthy if he was able to uh, provide a tomb for Jesus to be buried in. What's my point here? God calls people of very different backgrounds, of very different status, and he calls them to be his disciples. He grafts them into a community, a community that he forms. And that community is the church. You haven't just come to a service this morning. You've been summoned to an assembly. You haven't just decided to come and worship. To be honest, you can do that at home. You can just switch on YouTube And as good as Hannah is, there'll be more gifted worship leaders, there'll be better songs, there'll be uh, better preachers. But you've been summoned here this morning to gather together as a community because that is God's plan for his people. St. Giles is to be under God, a place to belong. The images of church in, in the New Testament are all kind of organic. Uh, they're living. I think this is probably uh, my favourite. I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. I love that image of the vine. Jesus says, I'm, I'm the vine, my Father in heaven. He's the gardener, he tends the vine. And you, my disciples, and my disciples throughout all ages and in all places, you are the branches. Those of you who've had a, had a vine, you'll know you can't really separate out the vine from the branches. Um, I lived in a house once, and there was a conservatory, and when I moved in, the, uh, the, there was a vine in the conservatory and been left unattended, and it had taken over the whole uh, conservatory. You, you, kind of could, you could just open the door, but you could hardly get in. And uh, we had to kind of just kind of trim this vine back, uh, prune this vine. You couldn't, you couldn't work out which, which were the branches, which was the living bit at the bottom. It was all kind of tangled up. There was loads of grapes um, hanging down. It was, a, it was a living thing. It was, it was tough. It was alive. And it bore lots of fruit. The other image, probably the most well-known image in the Bible, is of a body. You're the body of Christ. He is the head and the body's made up of hands and feet and arms and eyes. It's a picture of the community of the church gathered together. Different people, different gifts, different abilities, different roles, different backgrounds. But yet joined together, each in their own place. So our vision for St. Giles is that it is a a church where you belong, where you know yourself to be grafted in, where you know yourself to be loved, where you know yourself to be a a part of things. Not just a place that you attend, although it's great that you attend, or not just a church that you go to, or a place where you receive teaching, 
but where you're grafted in, where you're organically connected, where you, where you belong. And with the ministries that we have to support that, most notably our home groups, uh, smaller gatherings of, of believers who meet during the week, where you can be prayed for, where you can pray for others, where you can study the scriptures together, where you can encourage one another, uh, where we can challenge one another. Have our men's uh, breakfast too and our women's ministry too. And you can, you can find out all about these, uh, either email me or we've got um, Katie's here somewhere I saw a minute ago. She's over there. Stand up, Katie. There you go. To find out about how you could be a bit more engrafted in, be part of a home group or, or another group at St. Giles where you can really find your place and find where you belong and make real friends here. Um, Katie is the person to talk to. But it's not just about belonging. Vision for St. Giles is that it's a place to belong, but also a place to minister, a place to serve. That's that verse I referred to. He's placed the parts in the body, everyone, as he wanted them. If we were all one part, where would the body be? But as it is, there are many parts, but one body. And of course, the different parts have different functions. Hands can't do what liver can do. Liver can't do what a kidney can do. Jesus called his disciples to follow him. And they followed him in mission, and they followed him in service. And we're all called to an area of service in his kingdom and in his church. One of the things that uh, happens to you when you're um, thinking about ordination, you've offered yourself for uh, leadership in the church, you're going through the selection process of the diocese and the national church, is you'll be asked about your call to ministry. What is it that you feel God has called you to do? Why do you think God wants you to serve in this uh, particular way? What are the gifts that you have? What is it in you that other people have, have recognised and seen and they, they feel that you, it's right for you to take this step? But it's not just clergy who are called to ministry. We are all called to ministry. We are all ministers. A minister just means a servant. And we are all servants of Christ. And we're all called to serve him in his kingdom, in his church, and in his world. We've all been given spiritual gifts. We need to develop those gifts and and put those gifts at use in the service of the church. So where will you serve as part of of this Christian community? Where will you use your gifts? What burden has God placed on your heart? What vision has God given you for your service here at St. Giles? Where will you use your gifts and your time and your talents? Could you serve as part of our Sunday ministries? Could you serve as part of our midweek ministries? Could you offer help on the practical side of church life? Could you be part of our pastoral care team, looking after our life together and encouraging one another? Could you serve in our women's ministries, our men's ministries, 
our seniors' ministry, our youth ministry, our children's ministry. Of course, we're called to serve in the world as well, but we're called too to service in the church. And what's your vision of serving in the church? And what's your experience of serving in the church? As a staff team, we've been thinking about this recently and, and exploring what it means. And we've kind of come up with the idea of a... Oops, sorry. That's my, I'm not waiting for a call, but it, it powers the PowerPoint. Uh, we think about a kind of a culture change that we'd like to see happen at St. Giles. And we've described it like this. A move from rotors to teams. A move from rotors to teams. Many of us, our experience of uh, serving in a church, either at St. Giles or another church, is about being on a rotor. You know what it's like. You're promised it won't be too much. It will just be once every two months. It will just be one week in six. It will just be one week. Just a little, we're just asking for a little bit. We're just asking for a really, really little bit. And if you can't do it, that's okay. Just swap. Just swap. You won't find anyone to swap with, but just, just swap. Okay? Just, just please, please, please be on a rotor. That's, that's many of us. That's our experience of church life. We need to move from a vision of church life as being on a rotor to being on a team. Be part of a team. Be part of our prayer ministry team. Be part of our welcome team. Be part of our coffee and refreshments team. Be part of our practical team. Be part of our team of home group leaders. Be part of a team. What's the difference? Well, a rotor is something that you do on your own and you do occasionally, and commitment is low. Being part of a team, commitment is higher. It's high commitment, high reward. You're part of a group of people who have the same vision. Hopefully, often have different visions, but hopefully we can kind of corral you to having the same vision. You pray together, you encourage one another, you support one another. Increasingly, we're thinking about how can we move as a church from being a church of rotors to being a church of teams. It might not be appropriate to do it in every area of uh, church life, but certainly we can, we can change the culture uh, somewhat. Teams care. Teams care. When a team comes together, they need the big picture of what the team is aspiring to. It's not just, I'm on a rotor, and I make the coffee at church, but I'm part of a team that welcomes people into the life of Christ. And how do we do that? Well, part of the way that we do that is we have really good coffee. It was great last week, those of you who are here, to hear Emma talk about how important the donuts were in part of their journey in coming into the family of the church. I wonder how often those who prepare the donuts think of what they do as being part of that welcome into the life of St. Giles. Being part of a team helps you clarify, what am I doing here? Why are we doing that? 
And if you think, oh, this is just kind of management stuff, well, think about Jesus. He gathered the disciples together and then he clarified what they're about. We will seek the kingdom of God. And he taught them how to do that. And then he sent them out two by two to accomplish that mission. Teams agree on goals. How are we going to do this and how can we do it better? As part of uh, our worship uh, team, uh, the, the, everybody who serves in the worship recently had a day away, and Hannah will talk about that in, in a moment. But that was a time together to get away together to pray together, but also to agree on goals. What does it mean to be a part of the worship team? What are we doing as the worship team? Why do we meet together? How can we um, develop this ministry? What are we trying to achieve? How can we hold one another accountable? Teams review what they do. That's the sort of thing we do as a, a staff team each week, myself and Tim and um, Andy and Ellen. How did last week go? How was Sunday? What were two things that were great? What were two things we need to work on? Temptation is always to look at what could be done better, but actually we need to celebrate as well. What's great about being part of this team? What's fantastic about being part of this ministry? Home group leaders, we do the same. We gather together, we encourage each other. How's your group going? We don't, we don't, we don't sort of break confidences, but just generally, how's your group going? What's going well? What do we need to work on and, and develop? Teams equip people. You can be on a rotor for years, and never have any training, never gone on an away day, never gone on a, conf- a conference, never be given any uh, resources, just expect you just to kind of show up, do your bit, and get on with it. Teams equip one another. Teams look for resources together. Teams look to develop not just their ministry, but their people who are part of their team. Do we need to grow as a team? Do we need to develop as a team? So part of our vision for St. Giles is that we are a place to belong and also we're a place to serve, a place to use our gifts, a place where we all know we've got our niche, where there's people who know us and love us, where we play our part, where we serve this church community and the, the wider community of West Bridgeford. And part of the way that we're going to seek to develop that over coming uh, months is, is just a kind of shift from rotors uh, to teams. Come back to where we start. This is part of a, a wider vision, a bigger picture of ourselves as a community of disciples seeking to witness to Jesus and serve him in West Bridgeford and beyond. Let's pray. So, Lord, we pray that you would lead us in this. As we kind of just refocus our vision and and, uh, look afresh, we pray, Lord, that you would help us to get our life together right. Lord, we pray for all those who feel perhaps uh, that they would like to be more fully involved, but are are perhaps on the edge of things. Help us to to help one another to become a fully part of this church. We pray for our, our home groups and our other small groups. We ask your blessing upon them. 
Pray that we wouldn't just go through the motions, but would be places where people really do belong and share and grow together. And Lord, we pray for our ministries at St. Giles. That you would help us just navigate this culture change uh, from rotors to teams. Help us to get that right, Lord. Show us what that means. That we might truly care for one another. And Lord, we pray for this, not just for ourselves, not for our glory, not even that this church would be better, but that your good news would be shared more effectively, more faithfully, more joyfully in West Bridgeford and beyond. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to invite Tanner and the band to come up and lead us.